0: All right, hello internet friends, and welcome to yet another episode of Love Hate Relationship, an opinionated podcast for opinionated people. I'm Andy Boel. And
1: I'm Alex Ruiz, and as ever, we, well, actually not as ever, we are normally here to brighten your day, anger your souls, and tell you how to live your lives in that order. But uh, this is an episode that ends in a five, so we are throwing it to just one of those three things for the entire episode length. And in this case, we are going to be telling you how to live your lives, or at least telling a few people. to live their lives but first andy should we like reveal to our audience what we've been doing all day
0: (laughs) uh yeah i mean peek behind the curtain we as many podcasters before us are doing the time honored tradition of recording a shit ton of episodes in one day
1: yeah like it's it's a snowy day Our wives have decided to leave our presents for the day and go do something productive with their lives. And we are just sitting here going, okay, well, you want to just bank a shit ton of episodes? And to be clear, the episodes we recorded for y'all were actually not even the most recent couple. They were like, why can't I remember this episode? So this is episode
0: 85, and I'm pretty sure... Earlier today, we did episodes 81 and 82.
1: So, we did like the one where I talked about libraries, and you talked about Scott Cawthorn, and I talked about pit bull discrimination, and I you talked ta- about
0: Benny Blanco.
1: And then we presumably have done a couple of episodes since then that we've recorded later. But this one we're going to go ahead and record now because we do not have the steam to do a whole last third episode with like notes and research and shit but we can go ahead and bank our wonderfully evergreen triple yeah and we're gonna go ahead and do that you've got a cider i've got a wine we're gonna drink and we're gonna answer questions but if we seem punchy have we ever talked about how tiring these can actually be to record sometimes
0: i think we've kind of touched on that but like I don't think we've ever tried to do like just three recordings in a row.
1: No, I think we've done two before. I
0: think we've done two before and that is that is just a taxing experience. So we we took a break. We built a bar cart.
1: Yeah, it just we <laughs> that bar cart was supposed to be your gift, but it got lost in the mail and arrived for us. We bought you a new bar cart. And so you have a bar cart. And now we're just like, okay, Stephanie and I get a new bar cart.
0: Yep. So did that, played with your dog a bit, and uh, we're just, we're hanging out. We and o- We ordered curry. We did order curry, and that is going to be the treat for getting through this recording is curry and a slasher.
1: I'm just sitting here thinking about, like, John Panette talking about... Raviolis <laughs> and a nap. Raviolis and a nap. But I... I, I I love recording these. I was so looking forward to having a day of recording with you. And they're wonderful, they're fun, but they're exhausting. Yes. Like, there's there's a fatigue that... I still do not understand how, like, the goddamn Joe Rogan experience drops, like, four-hour episodes.
0: I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's because the dude gets, you know, his livelihood from doing that. If we were making... Thousands upon thousands of dollars. Yeah, I would do no fewer than two four-hour episodes a day. (laughs) And that would be my day job. And I'd be thankful.
1: Well, it's okay, so it's funny because we've officially, in the three episodes that we've recorded today, we've referenced um, this particular group. Y'all have gotten a break from it for a month. But talking about, like... Robert Evans, the Some More News crowd, the It Can Happen Here crowd, that that whole iHeartRadio network thing. Robert Evans was very explicit when he started in on that, that he was like, yeah, I'm starting these podcasts and I'm getting my old friends from Crack to be on it because I want them to have health insurance. Yeah, Like it's, we all lost our jobs at Cracked simultaneously when Scripps decided to just sell the brand and lay off everybody and go back to freelancing. Everybody, and he's like, Well, I have a job now with the iHeart Network, and if Cody and Katie do this political once a week show with me, they can have health insurance.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing that, like, I think we've talked about when we've had podcasts and come up as a topic. That's the thing everybody forgets about how, like, if you reach just the echelon where you're really making any decent money or getting health insurance, getting any benefits. You put in around the amount of work that you would put in in any other job Yeah, in the podcast. You're
1: just also only recording for like... An hour or two. Right. But, you know, they actually try and know shit that they're gonna talk about beforehand. And you know, I I do research for my topics.
0: So i to say we we try.
1: We skim Wikipedia, and I'll usually track down a couple of other links. If it's sometimes some topics are more research heavy than others. Yeah. And also sometimes we just pull up a couple of Twitter accounts and we're like, yeah. Hair, have some content, you sons of bitches.
0: I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, we, we do this as a, as a labor of love and provide this, you know, freely because we love you, internet friends.
1: Uh, should we put a tip jar on the website?
0: Oh, my God. I, I'd be fascinated to see how that went. You know, we've talked
1: about monetizing this podcast multiple times, and here's the thing. It's not that we're not interested in doing so. It's just more work than we're willing to put in.
0: Yeah. I mean, y- you and I will talk... After the recording, maybe maybe we'll start a, a coffee or something. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like just the right amount, like just putting a literal virtual tip jar in the ether.
1: Just, just, mm, I mean, I, you know, I've seen YouTube channels that do that. I've seen... Websites that do that. They're just like, you can subscribe to my Patreon or you can do this or you can do this or if you want to just do a one-time thing, here is a tip jar. And it's just like, you know what, should I just, in my Twitter handle, should I also include my
0: PayPal and my Venmo? I mean, it can certainly never hurt. I, I flirted with the idea of trying to have some sort of Patreon way back when we started this and I'm glad I didn't because it became very apparent that I just... I don't think we had enough of a concrete idea of what would go on a Patreon.
1: I love podcasting with you, Andy. But you have two shows, and I can barely handle having one.
0: Yes, I I agree with you here.
1: I have toyed with the idea of having an additional show that would even just be me. Maybe even come out on a seasonal schedule. Maybe I wouldn't even need to, like, I wouldn't need to release a single episode until they were all done. And I still can't bring myself to do that much work.
0: I mean, yeah, like, I, I don't begrudge you at all. Yeah. So we're here. We're in the process of getting a little loosened up via alcoholic beverages. We are here to talk about relationship questions and assign who is the asshole not between the two of us.
1: Oh yeah, that's the other thing. It's uh, Andy has now... We have no idea if he's going to take more of these questions in the episodes to come. Maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. You know, we don't. But Andy started taking more questions from Am I the Asshole on Twitter and not just relationships.txt. Because I,
0: I feel like those are intrinsically relationship questions. I mean, yeah, I mean...
1: It's hard to be an asshole... And it not involve a relationship. The the, the only versions of that are if you're doing something shitty to yourself or if you're doing something shitty to a complete stranger that you have no actual interactions or relationships with. Right. So if you can avoid those, yeah, you're pretty much always looking at some kind of a relationship question. Though the question at hand is rarely, what do I do with my relationship? It's, am I an awful person for what I have decided to do in this relationship?
0: Exactly. So you know, today we're we're going in blind with uh, the internet's relationship questions, and just like on the last triple special, we are just kind of going to go around until uh, we see something we like, discuss it, talk about it, assign blame if there is blame to be assigned, and uh, do that for your listening pleasure. And I want to get out ahead of anything by saying hello, Mrs. Ruiz. I hope you're having a wonderful day. <laughs> I apologize in advance for anything over the next hour, hour and a half that is... Incredibly uncouth and shocking. Uh,
1: you're nicer to my mother than I am. <laughs> Would you like to get started?
0: Yeah, let's go right ahead, man.
1: All right. Um, oh, just because we always try and do it. But, um, our normal episode format, y'all, is we have a little douchebag buffer up front, and then we talk about a topic we love, a topic we hate, and then take a relationship question from yeah. you, our beautiful audience, or from the internet, in one capacity or another. Uh, this episode, which every 10 episodes, any episode that ends in a five, not that y'all see the numberings, we decide to just spend an entire episode doing just one of those things. We've talked about stuff we love, like Robin Williams and David Bowie. We've talked about things we've hated, like the two-party system. And Scientology. And Scientology. And we've done one relationship, triple relationship special, and this is going to be our second one. Next time, who's to say? Maybe we'll do a love. Maybe we'll do a hate. Maybe we'll keep doing these because, honestly, they're fun, they're easy, and we can drink more while doing them.
0: Absolutely.
1: So, uh, Andy, would uh, do you have something lined up or would you like me to do the first one?
0: Yeah, I've got one queued up. And, and again, dear listeners, um, basically we are doing this as close to live as can be. I think last time we tried to have a few, like, loaded up and ready to go. That is not the case this time. We are scrolling down the internet and this is all coming to us in real time. So with that said, am I the asshole for peeing in the cat tray?
1: What? Okay.
0: Go on. The person has enough forethought to acknowledge this is weird. Uh, This is a 29 year old woman and their partner who is 25. They've been dating for three years and have lived together for one year Uh, we live in a small one bedroom flat that has one bathroom with our two cats i'm a diabetic and on a number of medications one of them basically flushes sugar straight through my system and can make me pee a lot i can go from not feeling like i need to pee to if i don't pee in the next 20 minutes i will pee myself it comes on suddenly sometimes my boyfriend has ibs and he can spend 40 minutes in the bathroom easily sometimes this hasn't been a problem just thus far. Today, though, he had a bad IBS moment, and after 40 minutes locked in the bathroom, I felt that I needed to pee. I figured he wouldn't be very long since he'd already been in for the usual amount of time. I knocked on the door to let him know I needed to use the restroom and asked how long he'd be. He said he'd be another few minutes, no problem. 20 minutes later, he has been in there for an hour at this point i am kind of doing the potty dance a little and knock on the door again he's gonna be a few more minutes i tell him i'm not going to be able to hold it much longer and if he could just unlock the door and i'll just hop in the shower he says he can't get off the toilet right now which fair enough after another 15 minutes my bat my bladder is starting to hurt and he hasn't flushed anything yet i figure fuck it my bladder hurts and i'm bursting and i figure the cats will forgive me We have two litter trays, one in the bathroom and one in a nook in the corridor. I pop a squat over the litter tray in the corridor and have a tinkle and use a kitchen towel to wipe. I then bag up the litter tray and completely refresh it. He comes out another ten minutes later and says the bathroom's free, and I tell him it's fine. He gives me a funny look, and I tell him what I just did, and he reacts in a way that is absolutely disgusted and says that it is revolting. I tell him I'd rather just refresh the litter tray, which takes seconds, than piss myself and have to do a ton of washing. He hasn't spoken to me all evening, and he says he can't believe I would do something so gross. I tried to tell him a number of times I really needed to go, and that he should learn, and he said I should learn to hold it better. This has kind of left me feeling like I'm the asshole? Whew, okay, so we start with names. We start with names... This feels like a sitcom thing. It
1: does. I'm trying to sit here and go, like, okay, there's... Is there a situation where there's just a couple where both of them, whether it's, like... What, you got something? Well, go ahead. Where one of them is, like, clearly just kind of doesn't give a fuck for social mores, and the other one does, but admittedly is put upon in some way where something out of their control causes them to do something that is unfortunately a little sucky and gross.
0: So I recently just started watching a new sitcom with you. Is it too mean to say this sounds like Jake and Jess? Because this, I mean, specifically, this sounds like Jess and something Jess would do and Jake is the one locking himself in the bathroom for uh, seventy-five minutes.
1: You know, I'm not bad. I'm not mad about it. We we haven't used Jessica Day, have we? I don't think so. I am gonna take a moment to All right. take a cursory look because I'm not a hundred percent sure that we have not. Right. No, I don't think we have. You're right. Okay, so Jessica Day and uh, Nick Miller. All right.
0: Shut up, Nick. Something you were just saying, that's fine, that's cool. We'll move on and not talk about it. But it is something that I've thought a lot about. But you were never clear about that so that there were other options. And this little piggy ran around to different markets, but he didn't know. What are
1: you talking about? Do you want to have sex with me, yes or no? Yes!
0: I am here for this. Perfect. So we have a... Diabetic woman who is on a variety of medications that make the uh, usual schedule for such a thing not so usual. We have their uh, partner who can use the bathroom for incredibly long chunks of time. And we have a one-bedroom apartment with one bathroom and two litter boxes.
1: I'm going to say this up front. Um, If the question at hand is, Jess, are you the asshole? I do not think that you are an asshole for this. Um, I'm going to say this up front. Uh, I not only am myself, but I have also known a number of people who have admitted to me that in similar-ish situations, they have absolutely peed in a sink. Sure. And there are people who will be horrified at that notion. I'm sitting here like, okay, you kind of got to let people be people. There's, um, you know, there's people who are freaked out by people who pee in the shower. And... What, what what's the uh, bit by uh, terrible person? But what's the bit by Louis C.K.? There's two types of people in the world: people who pee in the shower and fucking liars. Right. Um. Terrible person. Don't fall. Don't, don't don't like him. Don't but, support. But yeah. that is a good joke. Um. So, peeing in the litter box is it great? Is it something to be proud of? No. But being like, I'm sorry, Nick Miller, unacceptable. (laughs) Yes, son of a bitch. By the way, did you call him Jake because the actor's name is Jake Johnson? Yes. Okay. Character's name is Nick Miller. Nick, I could see, here's the problem. Depending on who's writing him that particular episode, I could see Nick Miller being like, yeah, no, peeing in the litter box is absolutely the right move. Or I could see Nick being like, how could you? Do such a thing. As some, Schmidt would be a how could you do such a thing?
0: Sure. As somebody who has only seen the first half of the first season of New Girl, this feels thematically appropriate for both of these characters. Yes,
1: you have not seen where Nick eventually goes as a character. Um, and I look forward to watching you do that. Um, but so you are not an asshole for this. Um, you should absolutely be the one to clean out the litter, Jess.
0: Yeah, I think that's the key of. Removing any assholitude from Jess, Um, there's a there's a famous like cringy Twitter post which is a different person accounting somebody that they tried to have a one night stand with and wound up pooping in the the uh, cat's litter box of this guy she had just met and then denying it. Yep. Um, And and this is nowhere near as bad as that. I think the second you take it upon yourself to then clean up, I mean, it's what the litter box is there for, admittedly for another animal, but... It'd be
1: fucked up if you did this on the regular, Jess. Yes. Like, if this was just your preferred way of doing things. But desperate times, desperate circumstances, like, if... And and here's the thing if Nick has lived a life where he has never had to pee under weird circumstances Nick has led a very boring milk toast life
0: well clearly Nick has had to shit under extenuating circumstances. Exactly. Like
1: here's the thing. I have absolutely been at a party and had a female friend take me and my other friend and be like, I need y'all to be a human wall around me while I pee on the side of this wall on the side of this house because there's a line for the bathroom and I've had like six margaritas. And you know what? I was a fucking human shield. <laughs> that is what you do sometimes. Sometimes people just have to you know, if you've ever if you've ever had sex in a car and the other person has had to get out from the car and pee in the grass in the middle of wherever you parked. That is a thing that just happens for people. People have to piss in weird circumstances. Mm. And I understand that you're in your home. But Nick is being a little bitch about this.
0: Yes. I mean, I would say Nick is being an asshole with the reaction. Um, Seems like y'all just got lucky. This wasn't a circumstance you had to deal with until now, living together in a one-bedroom for a year. But Jess is not the asshole. Nick is the asshole. And the productive thing I would recommend is... Okay, this becomes a system where if it's the two of you alone, the bathroom door doesn't need to get locked anymore. If Nick is going to have such a visceral discomfort reaction, then Nick must accept and be okay with the eventuality of just running into the shower while he is mid-poop to then use the bathroom that is the only other thing to me because i can understand why mechanically trying to pee in the kitchen sink wouldn't be as good of an idea yeah
1: no it's you do what you need to in a desperate circumstance and people should be understanding of that right so jess um i think you're fine here i think nick's being a little bitch I think that, you know, clean the litter box, remind him that you're not exactly planning to do it again. Um, yeah, and then I, I, I'm just gonna add this, uh, if it's ever financially feasible for you to upgrade to a place with, if not two full bathrooms, at least two toilets, like a one and a half bath. Right. I will say this, I lived with my partner for a couple of years in a one bed, one bath apartment Kind of sucked. It would have been worse had you know we ever had roommates or anything like that. Um, I know somebody who lived in a three-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment, and it was hell for her. So, if you can upgrade to at least having the two toilets, it is fantastic. It's done wonders for my marriage. In the meantime, (laughs) um, tell your tell your boyfriend to stop being a little bitch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. All right. That's one in the can. Yep. What do you got for me, Alex? All right.
1: So uh, title of this one, how do I tell my girlfriend I think she may have eaten her engagement ring? Oh, what? Yep. Okay. So this is from relationships.txt because I am a purist. (laughs) We have a 30-year-old male, 29-year-old female. Uh, Assuming because the title says girlfriend, the male is the one uh, writing in. We'd been dating for about four years and decided to pop the question during dinner last night. I asked the staff at her favorite restaurant to hide the ring in a brownie so she would find it mid-bite and I'd propose. I see in hindsight how much of a bad idea this was. It seemed like a good idea since we met over a bake sale over brownies. So she took a few bites, about four, and it looked like she chewed and no ring came out. I asked the manager I gave it to, a personal friend of mine, if he put the ring in the brownie and he confirmed that he put it in right before he brought it to the table. They asked him to look everywhere just to make sure. I mean, accidents happen, but it's either the ring dropped somehow or she ate it and my friend told me that the ring is nowhere to be found. Asked him to look everywhere and nothing. Still, I'm kind of freaking out and I don't really know how to tactfully tell her this. This also seems like a sitcom premise.
0: This does. The other thing, I mean, this, I suppose this isn't uh, just related to what I'm about to say, but this immediately makes me think of the scene in Spider-Man 3 or 2 or whichever one where Tobey Maguire is trying to propose (laughs) and Bruce Campbell is the, like, asshole waiter.
1: Yeah. So do you want to do, like, Peter Parker, Mary Jane here?
0: Yeah, Peter Parker, but only specifically Tobey Maguire, Peter Parker. Tobey Maguire.
1: (laughs) Okay, I'm just going to put, like, Peter Parker, Spider-Man in the notes, but we will all know that it is Tobey Maguire.
0: I want it noted. That's all I ask.
1: (laughs) Okay, so we have Peter Parker, Spider-Man proposing to specifically Mary Jane. Yep. Uh, Oh, so uh, you want to pop the question
0: tonight, huh? Yes, and I want to do something very special. I love it. Romance. I am French. I read, do you have something for this I mean, just holy hell. There's a lot to get into here. I know this isn't this format, but Peter, you are the asshole. (laughs) For forgoing the classic, albeit still risky, ring in the champagne or hell, ring in the water glass or ring on top of the brownie, the, the inclusion of, no, I want you to put this ring inside of this pastry is mind-boggling to me. It also needs to be said, presuming Mary Jane ate the ring, how big of unchewed bites of brownie is Mary Jane eating.
1: Listen, I have been accused of not chewing my food well enough before swallowing it before.
0: So have I. (laughs) It just, it boggles that like a holy like three, half an inch. I'll go ahead and say half an inch in diameter, ring, piece of metal, goes down the esophagus unscathed assuming it assuming it has assuming that is the case how do you tell how do you tell somebody i think you've eaten your engagement ring how do you get into one of us is going to have to dig through your crap to see if we find this engagement ring like you're a dog that ate a penny (laughs) This is
1: bad, Peter. Well, here's the other side of it, because there is... The, obviously, Peter is not going to see this before it becomes relevant. Right. Um, but for all of you out there, if you swallow an engagement ring, depending on... If you swallow a wedding ring, I would say, wait for the shitting. If you swallow an engagement ring, which presumably has a sharp rock on it... Yeah. You should go to the hospital. Now, admittedly, there is an issue here. Um, And actually, I need to double check the text of this because. um, Okay, so your friend put the ring in the brownie. And he put. Yeah, okay, so they do confirm. Because I'm sitting here going, like, it is possible someone just stole it. Like some random waitstaff person or someone in the kitchen was like, okay, fuck this. I'm yoinking this and I'm going to pawn it later.
0: Right. Presumably that has not happened. Yeah.
1: Because your friend, the person who you know, says that they put it in. Obviously it's, yeah. But if your girlfriend, if your potential fiance ate an engagement ring, you should go to the hospital and she probably will need, you know, an MRI and potentially surgery. Um, This is embarrassing. This is shitty. This will be a story. I'm assuming that your relationship is strong enough after four years that this very dumb moment doesn't completely destroy the possibility of you two getting married and, and doing all of this. If
0: you are proposing, presumably your relationship is strong enough to survive this particular proposal.
1: And... The lesson for all of you here is, number one, think about the things that can go wrong. Similarly... Something
0: you love to do. I was
1: going to say, similarly to being accused of not chewing my food enough, I have been accused of focusing entirely too much on how much things can go wrong. Um, I think proposals where rings are hidden in places where they might be ingested or like... Let's not even talk about swallowing. Let's say she found the ring. What if she bites down on the rock, which could either hurt her teeth or break the fucking ring, depending on what it's made out of. Yeah. Diamonds are supposedly the hardest fucking shit on earth and enamel is the second hardest. You just, it's asking for trouble. You made a mistake from the word go. All of you, I want you to take the lesson. In situations like this, don't go with that bullshit. It's a stupid idea. I love your idea that you had of putting it on top. Like, that could have been a nice display. Like, you have a, you, you have a brownie come out. I'm assuming it's not frosted or anything. Or if it is, you put a doily on top. And you have, like, the ring box on top. Or it's sitting on top. Yeah. That's, glor- that's great.
0: Because the person can pick up the fucking ring and not eat the shit. Well, yeah, and the other thing, just kind of like to piggyback off your point, like... I don't know how much you you spent on this uh, engagement ring. I remember when I bought an engagement ring, it was like a big fucking deal to me from a cost point perspective and like just a big fucking deal in the emotional cost perspective. You let this out of your hands, admittedly into your, your dear friend who you trusted in this situation, but still you let this out of your hands and the second you did you opened up the potential for any number of things to go wrong
1: yeah bro so the advice on how to tell your girlfriend is just be direct and be like listen i just gotta lay all of this out on the table especially because we need to go to the fucking hospital right now
0: yeah i mean if, if you feel the need you can be gentle and if you, if you really feel like you have to, try to spin it as a focus on the gesture of love and not the mistake. But at the end of the day, you, you need Peter needs to tell Mary Jane and quickly, I love you. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I made a horrible mistake in how I was going to present that, and there is a chance you have an engagement ring in your stomach. Let's go to the hospital.
1: Yeah, and maybe that means you have to replace the engagement ring. That fucking sucks. Um, My advice is if you have to do that, if your potential fiancé, if Mary Jane is straight up just like, yeah, I really don't want the engagement ring that was in my bowels yeah. and had to be cut out of me. You eat the cost, you pawn the ring, you apply that to whatever... Like, I, I financed my wife's engagement ring. And granted, I didn't have to pay, off, pay it off for long. Like, I had it paid off in less than a year, but I still did that shit. Sure. And, okay, we did that. Maybe you have to, like, take some new measures here and reassess, but that is honestly the least of your worries at this point. Get her taken care of, and next time you propose, do it in a way that is a little less risky, and try and learn from this, Peter.
0: Absolutely.
1: You think that one's good? I think
0: that one's good.
1: All right, what's your next asshole one?
0: So... I have a listener here who wants to know. A listener, I have a reader here who wants to know. Am I the asshole for being furious with my husband for getting the sublime son tattooed on his arm?
1: Interesting.
0: We've been married for two years. No kids. I'm 23. He's 25. My husband has both of his legs fully tattooed and has always said he'll never tattoo his arms. He got drunk last weekend, and his friend tattooed the Sublime Sun logo on his upper bicep. It's a quality tattoo. The friend is a good artist. It was his favorite band in junior high, and he thought it was hilarious in an ironic way. And I'm going to just take a second to, like, describe to the listeners, like, we are talking about the band Sublime. Mm -hmm. Their logo is a highly stylistic sun that, like... The nose is made out of like a mushroom that goes into the forehead and it's got these really horrifying looking eyes and the sun spikes are all weird. And in the cheek and in one cheek, there's a devil and the other cheek, there's a skull like this is like an intricate ass thing. So that has been tattooed on the bicep. When I woke up the next day and saw it on him sleeping next to me, I exploded. It's a fucking sublime tattoo. Like, I can't take him seriously anymore. And honestly, this makes me question his judgment in general that he would take his leg tattoos so seriously and has always said he never touch his arms. I told him this. He said I'm overreacting and an asshole for making him feel bad about it. I think he's just regretting it and won't admit it. Am I the asshole?
1: I feel like we've had, there has to have been relationships where someone got a stupid tattoo. The first one that comes to my head is, um, they're not in a relationship, but it's Liz Lemon and Tracy Jordan. Sure. Although I feel like we've used Liz Lemon at some point. I think
0: point. we've used Liz Lemon. Hmm. Um, I, think we, I, th- I think we've used Jenna Moroni.
1: We, we've we used Paul, uh, the last name. That's
0: right. That's right. Um, so this is maybe a little unkind and uh, out there, but for some reason, the first thing I thought of was the character Joe Dirt from the David Bowie or the David, David, Bowie, the David, the David, Spade. David Spade film of the same name. What was the name of the love interest in Joe Dirt? Brittany. Brittany? Brittany. You just
1: remember that off the top of your head?
0: I watched Joe Dirt maybe 20 times as a kid because it was on Daytime Comedy Central.
1: Uh, I mean, I remember that, but I'm just like, all right. Okay. You know what? I am not mad about Joe Dirt. I know uh, at least one listener who would be very, very amused by that fact. What's up, David?
0: (laughs) Um, I'm like a bird. Actually, more like a hard-ass pterodactyl. Ah! This is. Hey, God forbid you don't win after throwing only two quarters, man. It's a business; it ain't UNICEF, okay?
1: Okay, so we have Brittany and Joe Dirt here. I'm looking at Brittany's last name because it's way too like vague a name.
0: Oh, I mean, yeah, that is that is like a highly specific. I, I know it's. um Brandy.
1: Brandy is the is her name. She plays a she's played by Brittany Daniel.
0: Oh uh, okay. Well my bad. That's I guess, okay. I, I guess I don't remember it as well. I just remember one of them's Lisa Marie Presley. But I think that's the one who uh, he meets at the carnival and who he has sex with and she keeps saying, I'm your sister.
1: That's Jamie Presley.
0: Oh, I said a different name.
1: You said Lisa Marie Presley. <laughs>
0: uh, okay, this has been a divulgence.
1: Oh, God. Okay, so we have Brandy and we have Joe Dirt.
0: Yes, and so Brandy is upset that Joe got, again, the... I think it's fair to say objectively hideous Sublime Sun logo uh, on his bicep and makes a big has made a big point about how... They would never get their arms tattooed, but have. Now, here's the thing. I think Brittany is a little bit... I think Brandy is a little bit of an asshole. But the biggest thing is the tattoo artist is the asshole here.
1: Okay, elaborate.
0: So the the question provides context... Joder got drunk and in a drunken stupor in which his inhibitions are down, his judgment is down, and, you know, it's just depending on how drunk, drunk enough to get a tattoo apparently, you know, people are not themselves and you can't hold them to necessarily the same standard of of judgmental decision. The friend who is a tattoo artist Breaks, what I have been told, is one of the very first, like, tattoo rules. Mm-hmm. Never tattoo anybody when they're drunk. Yeah. That's not even just, like, everything else aside, it is a safety concern because your blood is thinner. Yeah. And you are creating an open wound.
1: It's also, you know, a consent thing.
0: Right, exactly. Uh, completely threw that out the window and went, oh, my God, this is hilarious. Hell, yeah, let's do it. I've got my machine right here and proceeds to do this. Now, if uh, if Joder makes such a big deal about not tattooing his arms that his, girlfriend, his, his wife knows it, you would presume the friend knows as well. You would presume the friend maybe asks, hey, I notice your legs are covered. Why don't you have any ink on your arm? And Joder going like, oh, no, I just never want to tattoo my arm. And then it is... I put the onus of judgment entirely on the best friend tattoo artist on this situation.
1: Uh, You know what? I I don't hate that take. Honestly, I don't. Um, Because you're absolutely right. That tattoo artist should know better. Um, That said... um, I I remember having a conversation with my tattoo artist, my local tattoo artist here. I'm going to shout her out, uh, Heather Ruin at Man's Ruin Tattoo, Asheville, North Carolina. If you ever need a tattoo in Asheville, go talk to her. She's great. Um, I remember having a conversation with her, and she told me about her first tattoo, which was a set of music notes she got on her arm. She told me she got this tattoo at a party when she was 16. Where a dude showed up with a tattoo with a tattoo machine and was like, okay, who wants a tattoo? And in her own words, she said, the only smart thing that I did that night was go first. Because he didn't change needles.
0: Oh my god. Okay, well, so no, I like I I, I put that on that tattoo artist. Like I've I've got a friend of a friend who got a full set of angel wings tattooed when they were tripping bars. Yeah. I don't think my friend is an asshole for getting angel wings while tripping. I think the tattooer is an asshole for, like, doing that anyway.
1: I, and I agree with that. That is the wrong move for that tattoo artist. I will say, from a relationship standpoint, um, let's be clear. Joe got a stupid tattoo. Joe is probably being a little defensive about Joe's stupid tattoo. Are you... Like, my attitude in a situation like that would a little bit be to be mad at Joe for, yes, getting drunk and letting that happen. Yes, being mad at Joe's tattoo artist friend for doing that thing. Um... Because that because it's not safe, I will say at the end of the day, if your partner decides they want to get a tattoo, that is their fucking body, like you don't have the right to make that commentary. if they get a kind if they get the kind of tattoo where they're taking stupid risks, okay. If they get the kind of tattoo that conceivably could do something like make them unemployable. Right. And they are part of your household income. Like, I think, I do think there is something for um, spouses who share incomes and share household um, finances being like, no, you can't get a face tattoo because you will lose your job. Unless maybe they work a job where that doesn't matter. And that's another situation. But being like... If I got a face tattoo, it would probably affect my employment. And I'm pretty sure that my spouse, who I share finances with, deserves to have an opinion about my fucking employment. Sure. That said, if I decided to get a stupid tattoo on my back, and I was doing it with money that I had, like, set aside for as much, and I'm not seriously depleting our finances for it, that is my damn business. And... I would have a conversation with my partner, but does she have the right to deny me that? No, you don't have the right to deny your husband his stupid, his, his, let's be clear, very stupid tattoo. But are you the asshole? No, not quite. Andy's right. You should be mad at the tattoo artist friend. You should be mad at your husband for doing something stupid and unsafe.
0: Yeah, the, the, the limb I'm giving out for Brandy is, it is Joe's body, and you can make an argument that in, even in an impaired state, it's Joe's right to get that tattoo. It is fairly shitty to get that tattoo without telling you and just further muddies the waters of the entire... Drunk aspect of everything, mm-hmm. but no, I, I I think the biggest asshole in this is the tattoo artist who, for our purposes, is Christopher Walken's Louisiana mobster character. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I think we're good on this. I one. I think
1: we're good on this one. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, Andy! Oh, I didn't even I I, I haven't even left from this. I have
0: seen that movie like ten goddamn <laughs> times.
1: Oh, God. This one is uncomfortable.
0: Oh, I'm going to get
1: serious on this one. Okay. My dad, 59-year-old male, sent me, 27-year-old female, gay porn of himself.
0: Okay.
1: Quick backstory. My dad and my mom were married for 27 years and abruptly divorced four years ago. He moved to a different city about 30 minutes away. He has had two roommates who are younger men. About three months ago, I made the discovery that my dad was gay with one of his uh, younger tenants, 22 year old male. I made this discovery on accident and I didn't mention it to my dad and I'm pretty sure he knows that I know though. At first I was extremely shocked, but as long as my dad was happy, I love and accept him for whoever he chooses to love. Yesterday I received a video text from my dad. I'm on vacation visiting my in-laws so I didn't view it right away. When I sat down to look, It was a video of his roommate performing oral sex on him. My heart sank, and I felt sick to my stomach. Obviously, no one wants to see their parent like this, and it was deeply disturbing. I immediately called my brother, 26-year-old male, who I had already told about my dad being gay. He said not to respond to the text, so I didn't. About 40 minutes later, I received a text from my dad saying, Oh no, forget you saw that. I told him I already deleted it, and I love him, and I already knew he was in a relationship with his roommate. He brushed it off, apologized, and asked me how my day was going. I am just unsure where to go from here. I'm not sure if I can ever have the same relationship with my dad, and I'm worried things will be very uncomfortable between us going forward. My husband thinks he did it on purpose, which I do not believe was the case. My brother thinks it was extremely bizarre and was an accident. I am just very angry. I don't want to be, but I am. I don't understand how he could be so careless to send a message like that. Has anyone ever had a weird situation like this happen to them? How should I proceed going forward to maintain my relationship with my dad, whom I love very much?
0: Okay. Um, Yeah, so...
1: I I have something, but uh, do you have any ideas that come to mind? I'm
0: trying to remember a character in media whose father discovers their... uh, homosexuality late in life have
1: you ever watched grace and frankie i
0: have i have not but yeah that you're right that is the thing those guys do
1: yeah so grace and frankie great actually a decent show on netflix i haven't watched the last um two seasons of it i think but um jane fonda lily tomlin star in it and they play these older women whose husbands have been having a secret affair for 25 years right. and decide in their old age and retirement that they are going to live their lives the way they truly want to. And the two of them, who didn't really like each other that much at first, end up trauma bonding. And it's, it's, a, it's a it's a good show. Sure. Uh, especially the first couple of seasons. I don't think this is something that uh, Saul and Robert from Grace and Frankie would do. Howmstever, I, 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 I am not mad at this. Also, uh, if you're down for it, my, one of my favorite characters on uh, that show is Brianna, who is played by the fabulous June Diane Raphael, who is one of those actors who, like, you don't know her name, but you look her up and you see her face, and you're like, oh, I've seen you in, like, nine different things.
0: Oh, yeah, okay.
1: She's a new girl, actually, as their gynecologist lesbian friend. Um, so if you're down, Andy, um, I could have this as Brianna and her dad is Robert, who's played by Martin Sheen.
0: Sure. Absolutely. What the fuck oh, my girl is going on? we are Mitch and the kids? Dad, you're gay? Bud called. When were you planning on telling us?
1: I just wanted one last normal brunch. Okay.
0: Also, just because it makes me happy, June Diane Raphael married to Paul Shear. I did not know that. Just looked it up right now. I
1: actually love that for them. Right? They're both wonderful people. But to our question. But to our question. Um, I read, would you like to start, Andy?
0: Yeah, because like, okay, for so much of this, I'm sitting here going like, okay, this is quite unfortunate, but kind of the best way it could go down if it has to go down at all. I do not believe that what do we say the father's name is? Robert. I do not believe that Robert would intentionally send a video of himself being filated to his children. Mm-hmm. No matter who is doing the filating, to do so would be deeply troubling and disturbing to the point where it's like, okay, no, let's let's figure out how to get some actual help for these people. Um, so I believe this is an accident. Mm-hmm. It sounds a lot like, it sounds completely like Brianna is... As understanding as one can be for this upsetting situation, and it's key that Brianna still says, "I still love my dad" and wants to do something. Alex, have you? And, and you know what? This is this is probably what I was apologizing for, Mr. Ruiz. <laughs> Alex, have you ever walked in on your parents having sex? Yes. I feel sorry, like, mom. <laughs> I feel like this is a fairly standard trauma that people go through. I know my wife has not uh, walked in on their parents, but has had a similar situation. I, I consider myself lucky in that I cannot recall a time. I face this particular struggle but this is a thing that happens and this situation is an extension of that you accidentally saw your parent boning admittedly the accident was on the other it, it's not the typical way you're not a toddler accidentally wandering into your parents bedroom after a nightmare and freaking your parents out this is somebody who we don't know the age, but you know is presumably somebody who maybe isn't so good with a phone, fumbling with technology. The, re- the real question is who is he trying to send that video to? Mm-hmm. And maybe you don't want to know the answer to that. But I think the thing to do is to have one frank, honest conversation with Robert to be like, listen, I love you, you're my father, I'm comfortable with your sexuality, you sent me something, albeit accidentally, that was deeply troubling and and very uncomfortable for me, and I think it needs to be addressed, and that gives you the opportunity to have a safe conversation where nobody is feeling attacked or prosecuted it'll be awkward as hell but i I think we're beyond the point of dodging that yeah so that that's my thought
1: no i'm with you on that um you say that your husband thinks it was deliberate and you want to give your dad the benefit of the doubt i'm not mad about you doing that um as far as you communicate here your dad has never shown any pattern of this kind of thing before um your dad would absolutely be a terrible person if like He. This is his, like, extremely passive way of coming out to you by faking something like this. Because if he chose to do that, that is highly abusive. Yes. Um, However, as an accident, yeah, I mean, he's 59 years old. You don't say what his technological literacy is. But it does seem like the kind of thing that maybe a late Gen X, early boomer kind of you know, not super tech-savvy person might accidentally do if they're taking phone videos and don't necessarily know what they're doing while working with them. Right. Um, I will say the forgot you even saw that, oh, don't worry about it, Uh, okay, how was your day response. Is not great on his part.
0: No, but it is the awkward. It, it, I understand the awkwardness of uh, rug.
1: I, I do understand that. Like it's it, it's an awkward situation. That said, um, as far as it sounds like your dad is concerned, he understands that an accident happened. You understood it and you are OK. Yeah. the reality is you are not okay and you are struggling with your relationship with your dad the solution to that is to bring him into this conversation and he's right you have one really awkward really horrible conversation where you tell your dad listen I support your sexuality I support your relationship I love you with everything in me and I am not okay from this yeah I do not believe you did this on purpose but I need to hear from you that you did not mean to do this. I need to hear from you that you understand how traumatizing that can be for me. I do think that um, children, and especially adult children who are uncomfortable with their parents' sexuality, need to get over that. Your parents are fucking adults and if they have a sexuality sure. that is okay they are allowed to do that however it is there's there's a difference between being okay with your parents having a sexual identity and a sexual existence and that being graphically put in front of you there's room for that nuance and you need to be will you just need to have that conversation with your dad where you are like listen I'm bothered by this this is affecting me and I need to process it and part of that processing is having this conversation with you right. And that is okay to have it's okay to trust your your dad did this accidentally it is okay to love him it is okay to support him and it is okay to say this accident has an effect on me i need time to process it and i need to have this conversation with you about it what did you intend to do with that what do you understand the effect that it's had on me I don't necessarily know what healing looks like from this, but I need to be open and honest with you. Start from there and just see where the conversation
0: goes. Right. Simple as that. Yeah, absolutely. I've got one here, and this this is again kind of a kind of a heavier one. Am I the asshole for arranging potluck to my sister's apology dinner? So My mom decided to host an apology dinner for my older sister, and I'll I'll go ahead and say it now. There is no context provided as to what the apology dinner is for, what transgression there was. Mm -hmm. As my mom was busy writing her apology and whatnot, she asked if I would take care of the food and beverages. I said, sure, thinking it was for my family of four but when my aunt and cousins heard, they also wanted to attend, so I decided to make it a potluck. Potluck being where all adult guests bring a dish and all the dishes are shared. Of course, I never asked my sister to bring any food because she was the guest of honor. Well, everyone came over and we were all excited to listen to the apology and eat. My sister was the last to arrive, and she was offended we were serving potluck for her special dinner. I explained that I had carefully planned out what would be served. My sister's boyfriend is a vegetarian, so we had two meatless options. But my sister yelled at me that the apology meal should be prepared, or at least paid for, by the apologizer, my mom, in order to show proper atonement. We went forward with the apology dinner, but my sister called me an asshole for undermining the entire affair. Am I the asshole for arranging potluck for my sister's apology dinner? Now, I've got something here for a show that I know you have not watched, but um, uh, there's a a really wonderful Rose byrne Glenn Close drama called Damages.
1: I've heard of Damages.
0: And Rose Byrne's character in Damages has some pretty eccentric family dynamics to the point where this sounds like something that would be happening to Ellen and Carrie Parsons.
1: Okay, so who would our question asker be of those two? The
0: asker is Ellen, Rose Byrne. Ellen Parsons
1: of Damages.
0: Of Damages. The sister is Miriam Shore, a.k.a. Carrie Parsons.
1: So we have Ellen and Carrie.
0: And I don't remember who plays the mom. I don't think it really matters. Kind of in the same way that the mom is kind of completely shoveled aside in this question.
1: No, that's fair. Are you the asshole for arranging this as a potluck? It was my own initiative. I thought we should follow thought. Who told you to think? You are in this office to wait for
0: instructions. You don't have license to think.
1: This is a tricky one. Sure. So, uh, maybe this is just my neurodivergence showing. I don't inherently see... Anything about doing it as, like, it would be shitty if you did ask, Ellen, it would be shitty if you did ask Carrie to contribute to the potluck. That would be a shit move. But you say explicitly that you did not. Yeah. Barring that, in my brain, there shouldn't be anything wrong with that. That said, you know, Carrie was upfront about her feelings and the idea that there is some connection between a monetary side of things for an apology dinner and it, and and that needing to be paid for by the people apologizing. My first instincts are to say that seems like a weird power dynamic Yeah, that feels a lot like, Oh, I fucked up. Let me buy you a gift. Let me take you out to dinner to apologize. I, I don't know. That dynamic doesn't sit well with me. That said, that's my own experiences. That might be my own prejudices. And it could be that Carrie is someone who, with her own type of love language and her own type of receiving care, that's the kind of thing that would matter. And that seems like the kind of thing that you should recognize. Not knowing what you're apologizing for. I am a believer that at least to a reasonable degree, you should try and apologize in the way that matters and is meaningful to the person you're apologizing to. Sounds like Carrie, part of that apology involves this financial investment, which might be troubled and might be something that Carrie should address, but at the end of the day, it is how she views this. so.
0: I've done a little bit of research on the fly here because I'm unfamiliar with the practice of an apology dinner.
1: Sounds like some rich white people shit.
0: It it does, and apparently the rules of such a thing are that it is a dinner initiated by one party for the purpose of apologizing to another party, usually a family member or close friend, reserved for major disputes in which the parties have stopped talking. The other attendees offer to help mediate, offer support and perspective, and celebrate the resolution. That just sounds like a
1: fucking intervention.
0: I mean, yeah, it does. This this sounds like some rich white people shit. I will totally agree. I think the necessary context is, okay, apparently this is a big enough deal where, like, there was a mother and daughter estranged... This dinner is is ostensibly to heal that bond, but even with that said, like if we want to get analytical and and incredibly legalistic here, the other attendees help to mediate, offer support and perspective, and celebrate the resolution. I would argue providing food is offering support. Mm-hmm. The, the you know uh, Ellen goes into talking about how this is such a big deal for their mother that the mother is so busy writing this apology letter that they do not necessarily have time to cook. Not knowing what the thing is is an important and crucial bit of personal context that is just missing. With that said, and I am a sympathetic and apologetic sort, I would argue if the intention is honest, then the attention, the intention is enough. Hearing Carrie get upset that their mother did not personally create a meal
1: or pay for it
0: or pay for it seems to me to be a bit much now again we don't know what has gone on it could have been some awful shit it could have been some you're no daughter of mine if you're going to be gay shit I I, you know there's speculation to be had and certainly I'm sure there is a line where it's justifiable to be like no you want to apologize to me you're going to make a fucking dinner Mm. missing that context with the rest of the family including ellen the asker seeing whatever this issue is as something where it is okay to bring a potluck i don't think ellen's the asshole i don't know if there is an asshole in this is the most charitable thing
1: yeah i don't think ellen's the asshole i think that I will say again, I'm 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 giving the benefit of the doubt that Carrie has valid reason for an apology, sure, for, to deserve an apology, and I think that if you're apologizing to her in a way that she that is not hers, okay, you have she has reason to be a little upset and deserves an apology from Ellen. That said, it should not be that big a deal. I don't know. Maybe this is just because apology dinners sound like stupid white people shit to me. Sure. Um, I'm sorry, stupid, rich white people shit to me. I don't know if poor white people also do apology dinners, but, like, I I don't know, man. Like, there's an episode of Seventh Heaven where they talked about, like, having celebratory dinners for a daughter having her first period. So I don't know what y'all do. But
0: the, the idea of we're going to have a dinner and I'm going to apologize to you. Yeah, I totally get it.
1: Writing an apology letter like I'm sorry. I love you mother. You've never apologized for anything <laughs> to me that did not like was not you causing me physical pain by accident. So, it just it's it's I don't know. This this whole dynamic Seems weird and off and fucked to me and that might be skewing me but if I'm gonna think in terms of like take this premise on its face you should apologize in the way that Carrie feels seen Carrie did not feel seen based on it being a potluck that seems stupid to me but okay that's how Carrie receives it I don't think you're an asshole Ellen.
0: Sure.
1: I think maybe you should apologize to Carrie for not Apologizing to her or for doing something that...
0: For helping facilitate something that does not come across as a valid apology.
1: Yes. So you're not an asshole. Be nice. Give benefit of the doubt. Apologize. But if Carrie is a dick about about the situation, like, you didn't do anything that bad. At least to my
0: view. I agree. Yeah. So... Alex, you want to uh, wrap us up? Uh, I think so.
1: So, I uh, let me see. Okay. This is from a 28-year-old male talking about his girlfriend, who is a 25-year-old female. Okay. The girl I'm seeing made a video montage of her year, and it had lots of clips with her ex. Okay. Essentially, I meet this girl two months ago and we've been seeing each other. We're not quite sure what we are, but we enjoy spending time together and get along well. Her ex-boyfriend started cheating on her and she found out and broke it off with him. Yesterday, she made a two-minute video montage of her year and its highlights. A decent number of those clips were of them two doing something, e.g. dinner, a party, etc., or being close and cuddly. It's a first for me, but I'm a bit upset. I know I shouldn't be, but it kind of annoys me she had so many clips with him considering what happened. Maybe I'm overreacting, or maybe she's trying to make me a bit jealous. I'm not sure. She sent me a message out of nowhere. She had made a montage of her year, so I asked her to send it over to me, and she shared it with me. Uh, Edit. To add, there was only one scene with me, which was a picture of my hand and nothing more. A week before the montage was made, she went to have dinner with him and talk things through. I asked her about the video and whether she still has feelings for him. She said that no, she doesn't have feelings, but she's trying to forgive him for cheating on her and not be angry at anyone. I asked her if she plans to continue speaking to him, and she told me that she doesn't plan to contact him, but if he contacts her, she won't ignore his messages. She then said that she really likes me and likes me even more for asking her these questions. Um, Someone had asked on this question, and this actually gives interesting context. Um, Someone commented, if it was an auto-generated one compiled of her post, then that's not her fault.
0: Which is about exactly what I was about to say.
1: But if she made it herself and chose those clips and pictures, then that to me is a red flag. I personally wouldn't want anything of my ex on my social media after a breakup. If she's posting about her great year and it's full of her ex, then she ain't over him in my opinion. The original poster wrote, she picked out the images and videos herself. Okay. And then someone wrote, she's still into it, so I'd run. That's just editorializing. Sure. So, Andy, um, we have a person writing in about how their new relationship, that person is
0: potentially not over their ex? not sure. Well, potentially not over their ex. I I have a lot of benefit of the doubt here. And a lot of that comes from the fact that like I know myself personally. I famously have never been able to maintain a friendship with any of my ex-girlfriends. And I can admit that that's probably not healthy and a little shitty of me.
1: This is a side tangent, but, like, I'm of the opinion that that really depends on the relationships. Sure. Of all the relationships I've had, I am still Facebook friends, friendly, with all but one of my exes. Mm. And... It's, it, it literally is no deeper than Facebook friends friendly. Sure. So I'm not like keeping up with any of them. But we're Facebook friends. I've been like, oh, look, you got married. That's, that's real nice. Or you adopted a dog or you moved to some other city. That's, you know, lovely, whatever. And, and that's the level of interaction I had. I'm on friendly enough terms with any of them. But I don't talk with any of them on the regular. I think that's fine. Sure. I don't think there's anything wrong I, with something like that.
0: I, I only bring it up really to say that, you know, I acknowledge that that is not everybody's experience necessarily, and... We do
1: it, need to give this person a name, by the way.
0: We do need to give the person a name. Okay, let's go back and do that real quick. <laughs> Damn it, I just used Jessica Day. Uh. <laughs>
1: Okay, but but all right, let's 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 talk here. We've got we've got person who uh, remember the asker is the new boyfriend,
0: right? Who
1: came into this dynamic. Um, so do we have a person who is dating someone who is maybe not all the way over an old relationship? I'm. My first instinct is. Um, go letter kenny and think dairy and
0: oh, dairy and anique
1: yeah uh, just because that's the season i just finished
0: fair enough i'm here for it uh,
1: do i don't know if you have a different take or
0: no no dairy and anique and i i forget who anique i think his
1: name was Jacques. If yeah. it's not, I'm going to just say it to Jacques because he's French-Canadian in some capacity.
0: And, and I think for Letterkenny, that is a fair assumption to make.
1: All right, so we've got Daryl from Letterkenny. What's
0: she you been up to, Darry? I don't know. I do. You do? Yeah, I've got Annick on Instagram. She has an
1: Instagram? Airball. Darry, you don't know about Annick's Instagram? Uh, the girlfriend is Annick, and we're going to just say that <laughs> the other dude is... Jacques yes because I don't remember if that's his name or not but I'm pretty sure it is
0: yeah I think it works cool okay so I to get back to my point I really have all the time in the world for the idea that Anik is simply trying to move on and not burn the bridge of friendship with Jacques and given the timeline yeah, a year in review when 10 months of that year they were together and two they weren't. There's going to be a dis, a, disproportionate, a, a disproportionate level of pictures of Jacques and Anique. Yeah. That doesn't set off a, a red flag. Knowing that she did it intentionally, again, so... The the very first thing I was gonna say is like I know several of these are auto generated and, and what can you do? Yeah, this becomes Anik's conscious choice, and so it you you either have faith and trust in Anik or you don't, and you, you fall into wondering if Anik is still carrying a torch, which is possible. Mm-hmm. I'm so I'm
1: looking at this question. And I'm kind of like, a week before the montage was made, she went to have dinner with him and talk things through. And she says she doesn't have feelings, but she's trying to forgive. Like, okay. If I'm, if I'm going to believe the best in people, is it possible that she is trying to forgive him so that she is not holding on to this hate? And she's not planning to continue speaking to him, but she's not going to ignore him. Like it is entirely possible that that is her being on the level.
0: Right. That said,
1: (laughs) you're two months in. Yeah. If you'd been together for, you know, six months, I would feel a little bit more like it, or if you hit a year, like if you had more of an establishment of a relationship here, Daryl, if you turned tail and ran on this one, I don't think I'd be that mad at you. No. Earnestly. I feel like this is
0: this is kind of a shit situation to find yourself in. Um, which I mean, admittedly, this is this is something that would happen to Daryl.
1: Mm. You ain't wrong. So you could cut and run on this. I do think that the fact that she chose the videos herself is what bugs me. Sure. Like, and I'm glad that, because that was not in the original post. I was tempted not to read it. It's included in the relationships.txt screenshot segment. But the fact that she chose and uploaded those videos, and it included a bunch of shots of her ex, and your fucking hand, that to me is a flag. I don't know if it's necessarily a flag that you need to turn tail and run, but I think that is, like, strike one Sure, is the meeting a week before the montage. Strike two is the montage where she picked all the videos and everything. I think you're looking for strike three. If you want to hang out yeah. because you like her and you, you know, y'all are getting along well and you enjoy each other, cool. But if you get a strike three on this, if she – if, you know, you find out that her ex reached out to her and she's been talking to him um, and it's any kind of – it looks anything less than above board or, like, she does another – Do you see another interaction between them that looks off color or or anything that really would warrant a strike three? I'd probably cut at this point. Like, it's two months. Y'all probably had a nice time together, but if... And you know what? It might be that you walking away from this relationship is the kick in the ass she needs to not fuck around with Jacques anymore. But Daryl if you're getting multiple indications that she is still hung up on this situation, that ain't your problem, bro.
0: That's yeah. And that's fair. Yeah. I, I, I think that's the right take. I think the thing to say is like, okay, we're not breaking up at this moment, but I am keeping my eyes open and like really paying attention to What's going on around me and reading between the lines and seeing where that gets you and seeing if, you know, if you get that strike three and you really are left with the assertion that Anik wants to get back with Jacques, that is the appropriate time to call it out. And then you have all of this stuff to point at and provide evidence for. You know? I say it all the time when it comes to this. Y'all been together for two months? If it's not going to work, pull that ripcord sooner rather than later. Yeah.
1: I mean, and y'all are young. Y'all are fucking young. (laughs) Like, you're 25 and 28. Like, come on, bro. Like, it's okay. This is, if I I say this as someone who, you know, started dating my wife at 19 and we got married in our mid-20s and It's fine. It's fine, dude. Like, if she's still hung up, even if she's not hung up, but she's still... This is something we haven't mentioned. Let's say she's not hung up on her ex, but she is still not over what happened with him. Mm. Because he did cheat on her. Sure. There might be trauma there. And, you know, is it lovely and wonderful and fantastic if you can be part of the healing of that trauma? Yeah. Do you necessarily want to be,
0: though? And you don't, like, unless you are getting a tangible benefit, you don't deserve to put yourself through being somebody else's stepping stone to getting okay again. Yeah.
1: So, I think, call it two strikes. Give it a third strike, honestly. Like... You don't have to leave the situation. You don't have to walk away or run like this commenter. Like there's a comment on this thing that's just like, she's still into him, so I'd run. Like you don't necessarily have to do that at this point. But I'd say you're already two strikes in. Third strike, it's out. Walk away. If not, you know, she deserves enough of the benefit of the doubt to say, okay, let's, let's just let it rock for right now. Yeah. That'd be my advice.
0: I think that's good advice, man. All right. We want to call it? I think so. We are at the usual episode length, thereabouts. All right. So, So, thank you, dear listeners, for uh, listening to our triple question special. We hope that, like us, you've been enjoying some lovely beverages. We hope that even though these are uh, situations that not everybody can relate to you can at least gain the the lessons that you know we're trying to give and hopefully apply this to your own life and avoid a situation like these you know we're happy to take any and all relationship questions we're happy to expound we're happy to determine who is in fact the asshole If that sounds like something you want us to get in on, you can send those questions to love, hate, relationship Podcast at gmail.com where we promise we'll read them. You can also hit us up on Twitter.
1: That's right. Uh, you can subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or even TuneIn Radio. Hey, Mom. Um, I'm sorry I said that you've never apologized to me. <laughs> um,
0: I'm sorry I, I had to have you find out that Alex has seen you boning. Uh
1: You can also rate and or review us on any and or all of those platforms. Um, You can also follow us on Twitter at LHRPod. That's LHRPod. Um, Check out what we're tweeting about. We love to talk about our old topics and just share what we're thinking. And you can also send us your questions there, whether they're ones you find online at places like relationships.txt or am I the asshole or any other number of spots. You can also just send us your questions or topics that you're interested in
0: us covering. You know, feel free. We take all comers. Absolutely. Uh, You can find my other podcast, Cult Fiction, that I do with the incomparable Stephanie Johnson, everywhere you can find Love-Hate Relationship. It's a great time. We watch sometimes bad and sometimes utterly brilliant cult movies and then talk about that. You can also find what I'm up to on Twitter, uh, at JovoCop2113, or at andy's underscore Minis.
1: To follow his Warhammer. Models. That's right. Oh, I love that. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, chess.com, or lie chess at a underscore x underscore r-u-i-z. Thanks for listening, y'all. As ever, please tell your enemies.